0: So last week, we had a sermon about sin. And this week, we're going to have another sermon about sin. We're going to look at the lies about sin. And we're going to look at the truths about sin. Because you see, in the darkness, it all merges together. Truth, deception, honesty, dishonesty. There's no discernment. They all merge together. But there are some clear lies, which is the top of the iceberg, and there are some hidden truths, which are sometimes under the water, like the biggest part of the iceberg is under the water. But sometimes in the world, we only see the top of the iceberg, which is this open lie. So last week, the lie was, let us sin so that grace shall abound. All grace, no change required. But you know, the truth is, that sin separates us from God. So that sin that separates us from God, what else does that separate us from? It separates us this way. Is it possible that it separates us this way? You see, these two things aren't separate. These two things are connected. We want to stay connected to the source, teenagers. There's no way we can do anything. We can do zippity-doo-dah without being connected to the source anything that's of worth or anything that's in the light. We can't do it. But, you know, the great commandment has a second part. It says, and stay connected with one another. You see, God is beautiful and pure and awesome and his love reaches to the heavens and his faithfulness reaches to the sky and it's just so beautiful and I'm with you, Christy. You want to open your eyes in the morning and go, Jesus, you're so beautiful It's so fantastic to love you every second of the day. And then I've got to deal with people today not so easy sometimes but he's telling us if you sin this way it's going to separate too so this week's sermon is looking at another lie this week's sermon says doing nothing doesn't hurt anyone that's the lie that the devil wants us to believe, you know what, I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm not hurting anyone, that's not really sin, is it? That's not separating anything. You know, the truth is, sins of omission are just as sinful as sins of commission. That is, the things we don't do are still as sinful as the things that we do do that are wrong and both separate you from me. If I don't love you and Jesus is asking me to love you, If I don't talk to you, Phil, when Jesus says to me, just give Phil a word of encouragement and I think, oh, I don't feel like talking to Phil today. That's a sin that separates you and me then because I'm not following what Jesus is asking me to do. I'm saying, oh, take some effort. I like the cruisy life, whatever. It is so open, this lie. I'm not doing anything wrong. We're going to crush that lie today. We're looking at the golden rule today. You see, the most common sin that separates people is this idea that we don't want to do unto others. We just want to do unto us. You see, this is the law we break when we don't treat others well. This one is not new to you, I'm sure. Jesus said, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I learnt this as a kid as, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Is there anyone here that has never heard the golden rule? Wow. So we know this, just like the teenagers know stuff from camp. Now what about doing this? How do we do this? Because Jesus says, Do to others what you'd have them do to you. But, you know, in this world, there's lots of ideas. There's lots of open lies. And one of the ways the devil loves to lie to us is he loves to take a truth, like this beautiful truth, and just give it a slight twist. Sounds like the truth, looks like the truth, but it ain't the truth. Unless you know the truth, you will be deceived. Let me show you some ideas, some open lies from other religions, from other philosophies that seem really similar to the Golden Rule, but look for the subtle difference as I read them to you. Confucianism. Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Hinduism. This is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Buddhism. Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Did you notice the difference? This is negative. Don't do the negative stuff. As long as you don't do bad stuff, as long as I don't take an axe and absolutely pick this axe up, chop up wreath into nice little bits, put her in a plastic bag and put her in the freezer... I'm not doing anything wrong. You see, this is all about don't do the bad stuff. You're all sweet. It's a subtle twist, isn't it? But you know, truth with a twist doesn't remain the truth. Truth with a tryst is an open lie. Let's look at it again. Jesus said, the golden rule, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you so in my life I struggle with this the reason I struggle with this it's easier and much more comfortable not to do I like being relaxed I like having things sorted everything nice and neat and tidy but you know God taught me a really really important lesson I have a really yucky story to tell you about when I didn't do. And he prompted me to do. So about four or five years ago, there's this lady called Jan and her husband called Greg. She's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. So I'd been talking to her, trying to share with her, trying to be the light with her. She was really... um, Cool about anything to do with God or Jesus or the Bible or faith. It didn't matter which way I worded it, she would wriggle. I'd sit and have coffee with her. I gave her a word for today. She took the word for today, which was interesting. I thought, Wow, yes. I don't know what she did with it. I asked her, "Are you reading that word for today?" Yeah, 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 Liz. Change the topic. I remember. The day she told me that Greg, her husband, had cancer. He'd been diagnosed with cancer, a fairly serious cancer. It was stage four, if you know anything about cancer. So I was talking to her on the phone and I said, I can pray for you. Can I pray for you? This is the definition of a pregnant pause. Maybe she didn't hear me. I can pray for you. Oh no, um, uh, mm, oh, no, it's all right, Liz. Yeah, anyway, I've got to go. Bye. So I thought to myself, I'm a bit jack of this. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. And I'm just getting nothing back. Splat. Anyway, so I was telling my friend Mark Reed this story. Do you remember this? <laughs> it's not pretty. I was telling Mark this story and saying, blah, 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 blah. He says to me, as a good friend would, is he in hospital? Yeah, he is. Why don't we go and visit him? I'll think about it, Mark. I did. I reckon I spent 10 seconds. (laughs) I thought to myself, he's even more anti-Christian than she is. She keeps just pushing me away, getting the awkward thing... And then where would I go? And I'm busy and oh you know, I'm so busy and so much to do, and I have to organize the time with him. And we go. Yeah, I'll get back to you, Mark. I didn't even say no to Mark, I said, I'll get back to you, because you know. And do you know, three months later, he died. And do you know what Jan said to me? She said yeah, he told me, Liz, that um, he knows he's going to hell. So, you see, I wasn't nasty to her. I wasn't nasty to him. I didn't steal anything from them. Didn't call them names. I didn't, as such, do anything wrong. But I certainly didn't do i was right it wasn't loud it wasn't like the holy spirit was saying to me go now or you're sinning liz it was his still quiet voice saying yep it's a good idea that your friend just suggested going to the hospital yep you know what i did oh you're a bit annoying really inconvenient just go back to my comfy life. You know, that was five years ago, I think, something like that. Have I confessed it to God? Yes. Have I said sorry? Yes. Have I asked him to forgive me? Yes. Do I believe he's forgiven me? Absolutely. As far as the east is from the west, that's where that sin of omission is. But you know what? I didn't love God. And I didn't love my fellow man. I went, break, break. All in one hit. Oh, because I want the easy life. I want the comfy life. That's annoying. That's frustrating. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. And you know, Jesus says to me, as Mark said last week, do not continue in your sin, Liz. Learn from me. Don't do that one again. It's a yucky one. Does it haunt me? Yes. Do I remind myself I'm forgiven? Yes. Do I ever want to do that again? No. You see, I'm s- I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think I'm separated from Greg now. And um, I feel like that blood's on my hands. I don't want anyone else's blood on my hands ever again. You see, we just don't think we're going to die. The open lie is, nah, we're right, she's all right, mate. It's that still, quiet voice prompting us to do to others what we'd like them to do to us. So Jesus uses a parable to describe the consequences if we decide to avoid him and his prompting. Maybe it's to visit someone in hospital, Maybe it's a smaller thing. It's just sending a text or calling somebody. Are you okay? Are you doing all right? He doesn't mince his words. He tells us a parable so that we can understand the consequences if we don't do unto others. This is what he says. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is serious. You see, he sits on the judgment seat and he says he'll put the sheep on his right And the goat's on his left. There will be a separation. Be very clear. Sin separates. Very clearly. You see, the goats are the pretenders. Yeah, I love Jesus. You need some help? Oh, I'm a bit busy. But the sheep are the real deal. What they say and what they do match. I love you. I will be there for you. So, I will really be there for you. I will love you and I will pray for you and I will really pray for you. Only you know if you're a sheep or a goat. You and Jesus. I'm here to put a big red light in front of you to say, warning, warning, warning. What we say and what we do, it's got to match. James makes it really clear in one little verse. He says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Listen to this beautiful poem. I never cut my neighbor's throat, my neighbor's gold I never stole. I never spoiled his house and land, but God have mercy on my soul. For I am haunted day and night by all the deeds I have not done. O unattempted loveliness, O costly valour, never won. I love this idea of loveliness and valour. We don't use either of those words much. The thing that's sad is that this beautiful, lovely Lord that we worship lives here with us there's no attempt to share this beautiful loveliness of Jesus with anyone when we don't do unto others he's lovely Lord we didn't sing that one today but I love that song lovely Lord I love it love it love it because he is so lovely here here we have him twenty four seven, you know, it's it's like Noel was saying, We the Spirit is with us everywhere, we can worship everywhere. He's so highly worthwhile to share with others. He's so lovely. I don't want to come to my deathbed and say I never attempted to share Jesus' loveliness with anybody. And it might be in a really simple way. It might be just putting my arm around someone and saying, how you doing? That's it. That's Jesus' loveliness. Oh, costly valour, never won. Oh, valour. We don't use that word anymore. It's sort of an old-fashioned word, valour. What does it mean? It means immense courage in the middle of battle. I like that. I want some of that. I want some valor. I want some courage. I want some bravery. Yeah. But it's costly. It's going to cost me something to be a, a woman with valor. It's going to cost you something to be a man with valor. That's where the rubber hits the road. Are we prepared to pay the cost to be brave and to fight in the battle? the spiritual battle that goes on every single day in you and me. Do you remember Gideon when he was called? You know, he was in the wine press because he was, um, what was he doing with the grain? He was sorting the wheat for the, the little pieces of grain from the chaff. And he was in there underneath the ground. They normally do it on a hill, so the chaff just, blows away in the wind, but he was underneath in this wine press because he was hiding from the Midianites. That's where he was when God called him. An angel of the Lord came and he said to him, O mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. He's calling Gideon. And Gideon says, oh, but my family, my clan, they're kind of like, ooh, they're the weakest around here. You, you don't want to talk to me. And me, I'm like the wimpiest of the whole family. Do you know what God does? He repeats a statement. He says, I am with you. That's why you're a mighty man, that is valor. You're not mighty men of valor without me, but I'm with you. Yeah, I get it that you're weak and you're the least in the clans in the in land. I get that. Without me, we're least, we're weak. But with God, with the power source, we are men and women mighty in valor. Yes, we got it right here today. Don't believe the lie that tells you you're wimpy, you're least, you're the beneath it that God won't call you because somehow you don't know enough or you don't look good enough. Don't buy the open lie. You are men and women of God with valour. Without God, we're zippity-doo-dah. Don't believe the lie. Like Noel said, it's faith, not feeling. You don't have to feel brave to be brave. So... The open lie, the iceberg on top of the water, says, I didn't do anything wrong. The iceberg under the water, which is the hidden truth, is I didn't do anything right. So why? Why don't we do something right? Paul says it this way. He says, to be perfectly frank, I'm getting exasperated with your infantile thinking. How long before you grow up and use your head, your adult head? It's all right to have a childlike unfamiliarity with evil. A simple no is all that's needed there, but there's far more to saying yes to something. It's easy to say no compared to saying yes NIV says it this way, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Paul is talking to Christians, brothers and sisters. Stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. Fine. But in your thinking, be adults. Have a little look at this for a moment. Same door, same outfit. I look like an adult on the outside, but I think like a child on the inside. See, the outward appearance is possibly just an open lie of what's going on on the inside, the hidden truth. Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The cross is before me. The world is behind me. We sang that this morning. We declared that this morning. Do we live it? Do we leave the world behind us? Do we leave the childish way of thinking behind us and keep the cross in front of us? The truth of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, the wise acts he wants us to do Why don't we think like adults? Why is that? Why can't we just leave the childish stuff behind? Grow up. I think we still give heed to fables. Listen to what Paul says in Titus. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith, not giving giving heed to Jewish, ready for the open lie? Jewish fables and commandments of men. And if we give that lots of heed, to give something heed is to give something attention, put a lot of weight on it. So if we're putting a lot of attention about fables and commandments from men, there's a hidden truth with that. It means we've turned from the truth. So what's a fable? A fable is, is something like a story or a game that we do with kids. So let me show you one. Oop, I'm going to get you back. And I don't want to run over this. So think back if you're kind of my vintage. So if you're kind of, I don't know what age group. I I've never seen this since I was a kid. But if you're maybe 30 or older, think about the games that you played at your birthday party. Do you remember? Do you remember it involved some chairs and some music? Musical chairs. chairs. So, the music went on, they'd count the number of kids and then there's one chair less than the number of kids. they turn the music on and all the kids go round and round the chairs like this while the music's on. And then as soon as the music stops, you've got to quickly grab a chair and sit down. The person who doesn't sit down is excluded. You're out of the game. So you stand up again. They take one more chair away. Music's on. Around we go. Music's off. Grab a chair. And so it continues until you have a winner who's the... There's two kids left. One gets the chair. One gets booted. I'm the winner. Remember musical chairs? Okay, when I thought like a child, I remember playing this game at my own birthday party because I was the birthday girl, so I should get more because it's all about me. And I remember the music would go on, and there were ways, there were commandments of men. It's like the music would be on. The music's on. The music's on. Music's on. Music's on. And I also got the old shove out the way, move, move mine. It's all about me. I want the chair. I want to be the winner. I'm the birthday girl. Do you remember this? This is childish thinking. It's all about doing on to moi, moi, and moi, moi. Because if I win, I'm the kingpin and I get a prize. We reward our children for doing this behaviour. Okay. We're now adults. The music of life is played. We walk around through life. Oh, lots of people around here. Better make sure I get something for me. Have we changed? We may be taller, both ways. But what's happening in here? Have we left this mentality behind us or has nothing changed? Do we go through life when the music's playing saying, I've got to make sure I get my chair? Don't care if you don't get a chair. I want to be the winner. It's the thinking that we get from these fables. We're playing musical chairs in our head. You see... There's another way. But you know what? It's the lovely way that maybe is unattempted. It's it's this costly valour that says, I can stand. It's uncomfortable on my feet, but I can stand because Jesus helps me and gives me the strength to stand so you can sit. Because isn't that what Jesus did for us? He stood like this. So we considered his feet. We don't have to do what the world is doing making sure we get our chair. Okay. So that's a game. Now let me share with you a fable, which is a story. Do you remember Goldilocks and the three bears? So, Goldilocks was called Goldilocks because she had long blonde hair, locks of hair. Goldilocks, very inventive. So, Goldilocks is wandering through the forest one day. She sees this beautiful wooden house and decides to let herself in. Oh, this looks like a nice house. Hmm. Oh, three chairs. Let's have a look. Oh, bowl of porridge. Oh, too hot Ooh too cold Oh just right Oh that was good Oh just right Oh tummy's full life is good Nice house here Oh they're probably rolling in it won't matter if they lose a bowl of porridge. Oh, I've only got some beds around here. I'm feeling a bit tired now. My tummy's so full. So she lies down. She finds the first bed too hard, the second bed too soft, and the third bed just right. The three bears come home, find her in the bed. She runs out the door. That's the end of the story. The problem is... Goldilocks wants to stay in your head. Goldilocks wants you to walk into other people's homes. Nice house you got here. Yeah. Got me food? No, not that or that. Oh, that would be nice. Let me have all of that. Yum. Bit tired now. Can I have a sleep? It's all about me. I'm Goldilocks. See how beautiful my locks are? You see, we're meant to put those childish ways behind us. It's so comfy here when things are just right. It's so lukewarm. We love it. Because our flesh loves warm, lukewarm, comfy. It's so enticing to be comfy. So convenient. (sighs) I'm okay. I'm sort of, oh, I just want to make sure my little loved ones here and my friends are okay too. So everything's just right. See, I'm doing unto others. Be careful. With the truth, with a twist. You see, there's lots and lots and lots of ways that we can get caught in the middle. We all know this verse. I know all the things you do, says Jesus, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You see, when you think about water, what do you have to do to water to make it room temperature? What do I have to do to this water to make it room temperature? Nothing. I have to exert energy to make it hot or energy to make it cold. But lukewarm water, room temperature water, I don't have to do anything. Easy. If my life is lukewarm because I don't want to exert effort and do unto others, Jesus is going to look at what the things I do, he's going to say, you don't do, you don't change the temperature. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You see... If you look at the world in its broken state, would you say that people are separated or nicely all together in nice intimate harmony? Do you see any loneliness, isolation, abandonment, rejection? You see, they're all symptoms of sin because sin separates Lukewarmness is a symptom of sin which separates this way and this way. You see, the bottom line with lukewarmness is that it's all about me. I'm still playing Goldilocks with my life. Me, 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 me. John says, the open lie, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, the hidden truth, we lie and we do not live out the truth. You know one of the things that's really disgusting, lukewarm? This happened to me yesterday. I thought to myself, yep, God, you do not leave me Anywhere, any room, when it comes to claiming something, I'm claiming something in front of you. And he says, don't think that you can walk in darkness, Liz, when you're going to speak on Sunday and claim something. I'm holding you to it. So as I normally do on a Saturday morning, before I start work, I go downstairs and I get a coffee. Guess what? It was lukewarm. I drank half of it because, you know, you spend $4.20 on a coffee. I'm not wasting this. And then I had to sit there all day meeting with people and I just wanted to spit it out of my mouth. It was like Jesus was saying, Liz, when you're lukewarm, this is what you feel like to me. And Liz, when you claim you're a Christian... But you don't do anything. On the outside, you say you're hot coffee. You're just room temperature water on the inside. You see, he, he will not let up on me this week to let me know that I can't claim this in front of you and walk in the darkness. But neither can you. You can't claim to love Jesus and walk with Jesus. You can't claim to know I'm connected to the source if you're not. Make no mistake, sin separates the sheep from the goats. And it's this sin that causes the loneliness, the isolation, the abandonment, and the rejection they're like little warning signs for us it's like god is saying sin and intimacy sin and fellowship they don't they don't go together this way or this way you're going to feel a separation from me if you sin and you're going to feel a separation from others if you sin So, John gives us some help here. He goes on and he says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He's the solution. The problem is sin and lukewarmness and not doing what he's asking us to do. Here's the solution for us. If we walk in the light, that means doing something in the light, as he is in the light with him as our power source connected to him, We have fellowship with one another. There's no separation. There's this closeness, this sense of belonging, this oneness, this intimacy, this connectedness. This is like I have a friend with Jesus, but I have friends here too. There's a solution here. We don't have to live in a place of loneliness, isolation, abandonment and rejection. Walking in the light will give us the opposite. It will give us fellowship. And what's fellowship? It's this connection, it's this community, it's participating. It's a gift jointly contributed. I love that. A gift jointly contributed. Together, we can be a gift. It's beautiful. We sang the last song. And didn't Josh and Krista do a great job this morning, by the way? It was wonderful to see you guys up here. It was so good. You know, the last song they led was, I'll stand and with arms high. This is us, beautiful, proclaiming God, praising God, saying, yeah, you're the best, Jesus. We're standing for you. We're declaring it, loving it. There's this sense of together. We want to give God this gift of Praise. It's great. But is that it? Is that walking in the light? Is that what this says? Come and sing together, raise your hands and we're all done and dusted. We need to think about how we can walk in the light. He says, we just keep reading and he tells us, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the first step of walking in the light is saying, what am I doing or not doing? Am I sinning? The first thing I need to do is look at where it is God wants me to change. He says this beautiful promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whoa. He can sort it for us, but we need to be adult to stand up and confess. Confess. When the music is playing in life, our focus is on getting what we can. I want my chair. We need to confess I want to be like Goldilocks. I want to make sure everything's just right in my life. I want to make sure I get lots of food wherever I can get it. I want to make sure that everything's just right in my little world. We need to confess that I'm claiming I'm Christian and then I'm forget about you. Just totally forget about you during the week, Jesus. We need to confess and come before God and say, yes, I know I'm not doing anything wrong but actually I'm not doing anything right. We need to confess you're stirring me up, God, and I keep brushing you to the side. Not now, God. I'm too busy. No, God, that's too uncomfortable. Do you really want me to do that? I'm too weak to do that. We need to come up and confess our sins of omission. And then he says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Gone. As far as the east is from the west. Just like when I ignored him when he said, Yeah, go to the hospital, Liz. And I went, Nah, I'm Goldilocks today. He forgave me. He said, You can be a woman of valour with me. Just like Gideon, he can be a mighty man of valour. In the Old Testament, again and again, if you've got the New King James Version, it says, Mighty men of valour in the Old Testament again and again and again, it's just as valid today because Jesus is the same today, full of power and strength and courage that you need to stand up, follow the calling that you have. You have a calling in God. You have an amazing calling in God. Don't blend in with the world and the darkness and the self-centeredness and the me, me, me focus. Don't be fooled. That the golden rule is actually saying, well, don't do anything wrong. The golden rule is saying, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's a doing thing. It's an active thing. It's not to get yourself saved that we're doing. It's not. It's his grace. And then we respond by doing. Not by sleeping and filling up my tummy. Because he reminded me, if you fill up your tummy with lukewarm coffee, Liz, you're going to feel sick all day. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Thank you for the reminder. It's revolting to you when I'm lukewarm. Absolutely revolting. I get this idea of wanting to spew that horrible disgusting milk out of my stomach. Get it out. You know, we need to be adult today. We got to stand up. So let's be adults and confess our sin. Not Your sin, not somebody else's sin. It's sitting here and saying to ourselves, my sins of omission separate me from other people. So let's stand right now and let's do it. Let's stand before God. Let's confess before God. Let's get it sorted with him. Let's get reconnected with him, the source of power that can make us men and women of valour, of bravery, of courage, of light. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you today. We stand before you today and we confess to you, Lord Jesus, that we have just given in to this desire to want our lives to be comfortable, for things to be just right around us. Lord Jesus, forgive us, I pray. Forgive us for wanting to brush aside the still small voice inside us that prompts us to do something for you. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. Thank you for cleansing us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us, Lord. I pray each and every person in this room, Lord, is touched by your spirit today. Fill them, Lord Jesus, today. I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray that you fill each person in this room with power through your Holy Spirit. Let them know, Lord Jesus, they are men and women of valor, Lord Jesus. They are strong with you, Lord Jesus. They are courageous with you, Lord Jesus. They can overcome every attack from the enemy, Lord. Fill us, Lord Jesus, I pray, in your beautiful, holy, precious and wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, take a seat. Okay. So before you get too comfortable there in that nice little chair, I haven't finished. Remember, right at the beginning, we stood up our youth and we put the spotlight on them. We said to them, you learned some stuff from God's word. You got some teaching, you got some input, you had some people that got up and did something to organise a camp and to love you to bits and put their arms around you and pray with you and sing with you and play games with you and all sorts of amazing things. Now we're holding you to account, young people. We want you to take that and do something with it. So, if we expect them to do something, what about us adults? Is this only for youth? Is this only for the young people? Are they the only ones that have to stand up and do unto others as they would have them do unto them? You know, we need to be good fathers and mothers. We need to be good disciples as adults, not just to the youth but to each other. We need to do too. So I'm going to show you a clip. It's only four minutes long. When you watch this music clip, there's two tasks. The first one is just quietly sitting there in your seat while you're watching the clip. I want you to ask Jesus, what is it that you're prompting me to do? What is it that you've already prompted me to do and I harden my heart? Remind me, Lord Jesus, bring that back to my remembrance now. That's task number one. Then task number two is I want you to think about who you feel in this room you want to buddy up with and tell somebody in this room what it is that you're going to do this week. Each. Are we serious here or are we just talking about it? So one, just between you and God, it might be a big thing. It might be sending a text message. It might be a little thing. You and God know. You will know. He will remind you. He will tell you. He is faithful to the skies. He will tell you. You just have to ask him. Just show up like Krista said. Just say, I'm here. I want to know. Talk to me, God. What is it you want me to do? So two tasks. What he want you to do and then think about who you're going to tell because at the end of the clip, I'm going to ask you to tell someone to support each other during the week and then for those really brave souls, those men and women of valour, you're going to come out the front here and you're going to tell us what happened during the week. What worked, what didn't work, what were the obstacles, what were the difficulties So all you have to do, Jade's leading next week, is contact Jade before the service starts and just say, I just want two minutes. Just two minutes to share what happened this week. So you've got four minutes while you watch this clip to do those two tasks. So crunch time, hey? Let's do something together let's do something together let's be a gift a gigantic combined gift with everybody doing something that makes a statement a big bold statement that we're walking in the light so here's the steps first thing find somebody and share with them what is it that god's prompting you to do number two Commit to connect with each other during the week. And then again, check in with each other next week on Sunday. And number three, think about sharing that with all of us next Sunday. If you feel a little bit worried about that, come and talk to me. I will help you. Email me. I'll email you back. I'm committing that to you right now. I will ring you back. I will email you back. I will help you to come and do something courageous and share it with the rest of the group. So once you've done that, once you've found your buddy, you've told each other what it is that God's stirring you up to do, you connect during the week, you've decided how you're going to do that, text, email, phone, whatever. Then it's time for morning tea and that's when we're going to hunt down those youth. Don't forget our youth, our beautiful youth. They are our future, the youth. So go for it. Let's do something.